Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Nintendo Everything Refresh, the weekly show where we keep you all up to date on everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. I'm your host Nick Serpa, joined today by a new voice here on the podcast. We have Don joining us for the first time. Everyone say hello. <laughs> welcome Don. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> So, uh, Don, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do over at Nintendo Everything? I mostly cover the news Mondays to Fridays in the morning when everybody else is asleep. <laughs> so, chances are when you wake up, you see an article on the site, it's probably from me. And I've done <laughs> a few guides as well in the past, and just a couple of reviews. So, yeah, I'm about, been about for a while. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's important when uh, at least for all of our American listeners, you know, by the time we wake up, you've al- you've already done a full full day of reporting over <laughs> over across the pond. So we're we're grateful for your service. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's really nice to have a fresh voice on. Um, and uh, yeah, for our listeners, um, if you've been listening over on Spotify. Um, wanted to apologize. I, we had some technical issues with the last one. For some reason, our last episode didn't go out until recently, so sorry about that. Um, but uh, yeah, we, um, after having all recovered from the amazing Nintendo Direct a couple weeks ago, um, it has been nice to kind of slow down a little bit, but we have still gotten a, a good amount of news. Um, so there's actually a fair amount to talk about this week. Um, this, this first topic, I just is, I, I don't really know what my opinion on this is. We've talked about it a little bit on previous episodes of the podcast. Um, but there is a new Pokemon game coming out that's a little bit non-traditional. Uh, it's called Pokemon Sleep. And we have known about this for, I, I feel like a pretty good amount of time, but we, we, we all, all we've really known is that it is a Pokemon game that you install on your phone and you put your phone next to you on your bed <laughs> while you sleep. And this thing like, it like tracks your sleep stats and then turns it into a Pokemon game. Um, it was weird. We didn't really know too much about it. Um, and then a couple, I wanna say it was a couple months ago, there was a Pokemon Presents presentation where they talked about this game and they revealed that there's a, a physical accessory that you can buy <laughs> it's a little, it's a little Pokeball that you put like on your bed, and I'm like, okay, this is interesting, but, but it's really strange. Um, <laughs> so I've just, this has been a big question uh, in the back of my mind for a while, like, what is this and why? And um, and this past week, we have finally got a little bit more information about this game. Uh, we know it is now officially coming. Sometime this month, we don't know exactly when. Um, if you have an Android phone, you can go pre-register, which means it should download automatically once it does come out. But yeah, it's... I, so there was a round of previews that came out this week, and Don, you might get a kick out of this. They actually... The Pokemon Company actually flew press out to a hotel and had them spend the night so they could test out this game. <laughs> Uh, that must be some people's dream job, being paid to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, how often does that happen? Um, yeah, okay, so the basics of this game, at least as, as far as I understand it. So, the, the longer you sleep, uh, and the deeper sleep you get, affects 
Uh, so you have this little Snorlax, and you're trying to increase his drowsy power because apparently the higher Snorlax's <laughs> drowsy power, he will attract more Pokemon. And then when you wake up in the morning, you can like give little snacks to your Pokemon and you can uh, activate some skills to help level them up and stuff. So all pretty basic, but it's all, it's all based around um, your sleep and your sleep style. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know, Don, what, what do you make of this? <laughs> I honestly don't know what to make of it. I mean, I can only imagine how some people who are actually going to get this can just are going to take it. It's going to be because, you know, they wake up first thing in the morning, like, do I get up and check my phone and see what my Pokemon are doing, or should I go back to sleep and try and get some more Pokemon? Ah, yes, that that is always the, the key existential crisis. <laughs> I mean, can I, I actually... can see here that they, <laughs> it says in the um, preview that players get 100 points when they sleep for eight and a half hours, and I'm just thinking to myself, well, I get about five hours sleep a night, so there's no way I'm going to get 100 points for anything. <laughs> Well, see, Don, you're the target audience, clearly, that the game is trying to tell you something about your sleep habits. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, we've, again, we've talked about this on the show before. We all know it's weird. It's not news. I, I guess I just, I, I just don't really understand that. I mean, I guess it's kind of cool, you know, maybe if like you have a kid or something and, um, you know, you're trying to instill good habits on them. I could see like some level of appeal, um, but the crazy thing to me with this, and I don't think it's in our story on the site, but there's going to be a uh, like a paid, I guess you could call it like a battle pass or whatever. Obviously there's no, <laughs> no combat in Pokemon Sleep, but I want to say it's like $50 a year and it's like an accelerated battle pass for this game that you play while you're asleep. <laughs> it's wild. That's. That's quite expensive when you consider how much. I mean, I suppose all of the Pokemon mobile games have some quite expensive microtransactions, but I don't think that many of them have battle passes, do they? I mean, I do play yeah. a lot of Pokemon, but I don't play the um, I don't really play the mobile games very much, so I'm not sure what they've got. I don't yeah. think any of them have stuff like that in them. Yeah, battle pass might be the wrong word, but I think that at least lets people understand like the basic concept of it. I don't know exactly what it does. My guess is it probably just makes it easier to progress and collect more Pokemon and things like that. But uh, being Somniacs yeah. out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I know this is not coming to Switch. It's it's a mobile phone release, but I wanted to bring it up just because it's uh, it's just an interesting thing that is happening. Um, wow. Not yet, anyway. I suppose it could come to Switch. I mean, Unite is cross-play, isn't it? And there's another one. I can't remember what it is. Um, <laughs> That's Pokemon true. Quest. That was it. Quest came to Switch as well, didn't it? After coming to phone, the little, the one with the um, weird block you Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, I, I do vaguely remember that. Yeah, who knows? Maybe there will be a Switch port, and they'll like find some weird way to use the uh, the IR sensor on the Joy-Con. Like they'll use it to like monitor like your <laughs> your body heat while you're asleep or something <laughs> crazy like that. Honestly, would not surprise me. I have um, to be honest, I leave my switch in sleep mode more often than not. I very rarely actually turn it off. So if I got points for leaving my switch in sleep mode, I'd be I'd be set. <laughs> there you go. It sounds like your switch gets more sleep than you do, Don. That that might not be a good thing. <laughs> the Pokemon Sleep app might be for you. Um, 
So yeah, well, so I, that's the basics. I have the pre-ordered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're curious about this, it's I mean it's going to be a free app and it's coming out at some point in the future. I honestly I don't really have any interest in it, but it's just kind of fun to talk about. Um, the Pokemon Company is say what you will about them, but they they know how to uh, experiment <laughs> from time to they're time. Definitely, they're definitely branching out. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, it's the whole it's the whole. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, the the blue ocean strategy, <laughs> where it's just let's go let's go after a new market of people, I guess. I, mean, I don't know, um, but yeah. So that, so that was just kind of an interesting thing that happened this week. Um, but much more exciting, at least if you're a fan of Mario Kart, is we finally got a release date for Wave Five of Mario Kart Eight Deluxe's uh, next DLC. And um, we, we knew a little bit about this because they talked about it in the recent Nintendo Direct. But now we have a look at all of the courses coming to this DLC. And I know not everyone is excited about the DLC, but darn it, this is my podcast and I'm excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know about you, Don, but I just I cannot get enough of this of this like DLC. Like it. I cannot believe the amount of courses they have added to this game. And like, this is just, it is just incredible. Like, like this is far and away the definitive Mario Kart game at this point. And um, I, I like don't want them to stop adding courses, honestly. <laughs> they have really gone above and beyond with this one, haven't they? I mean, I remember, what was it, about a year ago, everybody was clamoring for Mario Kart 9 and just hoping that was going to come. And then they announced this whole booster course pass. And I can remember there was a huge upcry about it, but time's gone on. I think quite a lot of people have been quite happy with what's come out of it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so some of the new courses that they showed off, we already knew about one of them called Squeaky Clean Sprint, which is a totally new course that's in a very large bathroom. Um, maybe it takes place in the Pikmin universe. Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But, um, but yeah, all the other courses are returning. Um, we've got a couple from Mario Kart Tour, um, which, like, to me are basically new courses because I haven't really kept up with that game. Um, they have a course in Athens this time around, which will be really interesting, and one in L.A., which I think that one will actually uh, be pretty cool because I've gone to L.A. a few times, and so I'm hoping I'll actually be able to recognize some landmarks for that one. Um... And Vancouver. Can't forget about our, our friends up in Canada. Um, I don't know, really, I've never been to Vancouver, but um, they, they do a good job, I think, for the most part, from what I've heard. Like, like obviously, these are not, like, ever realistic <laughs> interpretations of these cities, but, you know, they try and capture, like, the spirit of them, for the most part. Um, You'll know where it is when you see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um... Yeah, it was really funny. I, after this DLC was announced, I saw uh, someone on Reddit, they had edited together a version of the Vancouver track with, like, a bunch of, like, like actual things and, like, actual footage of Vancouver, like, blizzards pounding and, <laughs> just, like, fast food chains and stuff. I was like, this is amazing. Cluster um, on every street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um... But yeah, I think looking at this list of courses, the one I am most excited for, an all-time class, like, let's be honest, is Daisy Cruiser from Mario Kart Double Dash. That was my, well, it still is my personal favorite Mario Kart, and yeah. 
yeah, that game was just was just so unique in so many ways. And um, yeah, there were some amazing tracks in that game. And we have quite a few already in the Switch version. But I mean, gosh, this is gonna be like seeing some of these courses and like these old GBA ones um, from Mario Kart Super Circuit just totally just redone and you know still maintaining their pretty basic style overall, but um, just incredible, just beautiful interpretations of these just very old games uh, just makes me very happy. So I still hope they're gonna at some point gonna add the co-op multiplayer that Double Dash had because I've got really fond memories of playing oh, that yeah, with friends and yeah. when they took that out of the Wii version I was well to be honest I was pretty devastated because I was really looking forward to playing playing it again and it never happened and with this one they've done so much with it I'm really hoping they're just going to bring that back at the end as a surprise maybe <laughs> hey fingers crossed um yeah for my part I I know like the battle mode is not the most popular part of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe but they really redid it for the Switch port, and I think it's actually pretty good um, compared to the Wii U version. And um, it would be nice to get, like, you know, see some of these environments, like, maybe adapted to that mode, because there's still not, like, a ton of content for battle mode. But, um, but yeah, th that's all pretty pie in the sky. I think this is, this is probably going to be all we're going to get. Um, Although, hey, who knows? You know, with Smash Bros, they finished the first fighter pass and then they announced the second one. So you never know. I came. <laughs> you never know. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the fifth wave is coming out on July 12th. So it may be out by the time you're listening to this. And uh, yeah, I, I think that whole expansion has really, at least for me, I've, I've been getting my money's worth from it. Um, all right, now we, we do have some more news to talk about um, in terms of like actual like, game announcements and all that. But before we get into that, I just want to point out some other just kind of interesting behind the scenes stories from this week. Um, now, if you are deep into the kind of history of how games are made and you're really interested in uh, Nintendo kind of like secrets and, and, you know, development stories and things like that, you've probably been at least aware of Masahiro uh, Sakurai's YouTube channel, which has just been an amazing source for that kind of content since he launched it last year. Um, he has been basically going through his entire career of game development and talking about the games that he made and his philosophies behind them and stories from development and just giving like general game development advice. It's all very cool. Um, at least to me, and he finally has made a video talking about the development of Kid Icarus Uprising, which is one of my favorite 3DS games. Um, it was one of the games that got me to buy the system, and um, it's just one of those one of those games I feel like even today just holds up incredibly well. Um, and yeah, if you guys haven't checked out this video, I would really recommend a watch if you're interested in, in that part of um, Nintendo's history. Um, it, so the thing that was interesting to me about this was he didn't actually set out to make a Kid Icarus game at first. He started off wanting, wanting to make a third-person shooter for the system. And it just so happened that after he had, you know, kind of figured out what he wanted the mechanics to be, 
he was kind of tasked by Nintendo, you know, saying, pick basically an IP from Super Smash Brothers and, you know, make, you know, theme the game around that. And so he just chose Kid Icarus because he was like, well, you know, it's a good fit for this type of game and, and he hasn't had a game in a while and um, Nintendo just approved it. And I don't know, I just, I think it's crazy that he didn't set out to make a Kid Icarus game at first. And that, that just kind of came, came later on. Quite a lot of some of these things seem to come around by chance, don't they? Because I remember him making a video about the original Super Smash Brothers and how that came to be, and that originally wasn't with Nintendo characters, was it? That was with... Right. I think he showed right. off some concept footage, and it was just a bunch of, well, random characters you people weren't going to know. And the yeah. Nintendo characters got added later, and I thought that was quite interesting. And it's A lot of it seems to come about by chance rather than by design, which might be why it sticks out so much in or in history i suppose yeah it, it does seem to be accidents. a recurring theme at least with the games that he's been involved with um but yeah and so another just kind of interesting thing about it he of course mentioned that he really wants he would love to see the game be remastered on a, on a bigger screen with smoother graphics he said no, but, he's not um, alone in that <laughs> no he is definitely not alone in that um, but he, he kind of quelled those hopes too because he, he said that without a team around to work on it, crafting a follow-up seems difficult. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> it's not the news well, I want to hear, but yeah. To be fair, they said that about Skyward Sword for years and years, didn't they? Oh, it's not going to be possible. It's not coming. It's not coming. And lo and behold, if, well, I think it was year before last, that's 2021, true. we got Skyward yeah. Sword HD. So you never know. Yeah, no, that's a great point about Skyward Sword. I kind of along the similar lines with the controls, you know, I think if they ever did do a remaster, it would be a chance for them to add in dual stick uh, controls, which funnily enough also kind of came up in this video because Sakurai was talking about how when the game came out, it was around the time that uh, the CirclePad Pro was coming out. And they really, apparently they actually really wanted to get it working so that you could have dual analog controls on the 3DS. But the reason it wasn't possible, he says, is because Kid Icarus Uprising was apparently already pushing the 3DS to its limits. It would have required like 5% more power to add a second analog stick. And they just, they just couldn't do it. Um, which I think is definitely a testament to how advanced that game was in terms of pushing that hardware at the time. But it, and it's it's cool to know that they did at least like experiment with it and that they they wanted to try and get it working. But um, I don't know. I just I'm fascinated by stuff like that. Like that's a like a really just rare glimpse into 3ds game development that we just don't really ever get nowadays. Yes, yeah, telling that, I actually wonder if they might have been able to do something with the new 3ds because that was capable of quite a bit more. I think, and it also had the. Um teeny tiny really hard to use analog knob as well which kind of acted like well a dual dual analog in some games i mean it was implemented fairly well in monster hunter generations but it was pretty awkward <laughs> yeah that's a good question i have not played that game on a new 3ds so i can't tell you i i think if i had to guess my my assumption would be that it just kind of behaves like how the CirclePad Pro does, where it just kind of lets you swap the controls. But 
Maybe not. I'll, I'll have to boot that up and, and give it a try. Um, now I'm curious. <laughs> it would be interesting, man. I know the new 3DS wasn't really implemented that much, was it? I think it only got two exclusive games in the end. I mean, it had Blade 3D, which... I think it had a version of Fire Emblem Warriors as well, but other than that, yeah. I don't think of too many games which were new 3DS only. Yeah, there were a couple. I think those were the the big ones from Nintendo. A couple games that they put out, they did like perform better on the new system. Um, like I, I feel like I remember Smash for 3DS ran slightly better on the new 3DS than it did on the base 3DS. Things like that. But yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, I, I'm still, even though I'm sure he was trying to quell everyone's hopes, I'm, I'm still going to keep my fingers crossed for a Kid Icarus Uprising remaster. And uh, maybe one of these days it will come true, and I will be very happy. Yeah. I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, speaking of old games coming back, I think this has fell under uh, off of a lot of people's radar. Um, I was very excited when it was announced. Um, but we just had earlier this summer, Capcom re-released the DS cult classic kind of point-and-click puzzle detective game, a Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, which was um, the, the whole premise of this game back when it released on the DS was you use the touchscreen to possess different objects and you're trying to kind of solve these environmental puzzles as this spirit to... Uh, progress the story and solve your own, you know, solve the mystery of your own murder. Um, <laughs> it, it was a it was a really unique game at the time, and it uh, has not really been super playable. You, there there has been an iOS port um, that's been available for a while, but this is really the first time it's gotten re released on consoles since then. Um, and uh, it seems like it's been landing well with people. Um, I haven't played the remaster yet, but um, but some interviews have been coming out about this game. And um, apparently, one of the reasons they remastered it was because apparently fan, fan demand was just really high. I, and I just thought this was fascinating. Um, so Yuki Kaji, who um, was a voice actor for the Phoenix Wright anime, which of course Capcom would be involved with, he um, he told the game director that at one point the iOS version wasn't wasn't working really well, and that was kind of the start of how they decided to remaster the game, um, which is crazy. Don, have you ever played uh, Ghost Trick? Um, no, I haven't. He's on my to-do list though. For, well, I have a very long to-do list when it comes to games I actually want to play, but I do plan on picking this one up because it does look pretty interesting and. I've had a run of detective games on the Switch recently with Process of Elimination back in March, I think it was, and we just had oh, Masters yeah. of Detective Archives as well, so it just keeps going with these detective games. But this one looks quite interesting and quite unique, so I do plan on picking it up eventually. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. It, it is more of a... Of, I don't want to call it a puzzle platformer, but it is more of a, of a puzzle game, I would say. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it's nice to hear, uh, I think a lot of times, you know, people who want games to be brought back or whatever, you know, people will go on Twitter and complain about it and try and get the company's attention, but sometimes it's hard to tell, like, whether that stuff is actually reaching people, whether companies are actually paying attention, and so it's nice to hear that, like, in this case, at least Capcom is trying to pay attention to what fans are asking for. Like, Capcom have done 
quite a lot recently, actually, haven't they? I mean, just looking through their franchises, they've got Ace Attorney, they're bringing the Apollo trilogy back. They've got yeah. Dragon's Dogma, which is getting a sequel. I know Ghost and Goblin's got a remaster. Yeah. Mega Man's pretty much all of his games on the Switch at this point, almost, except for some of the more obscure ones. And Monster Hunter, obviously, and Resident Evil, they're still going strong, so... Oh, yeah. I can just hear the Dino Crisis fans crying out in outrage. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget about us! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, it, I don't know, it's just, it's cool to me that, like, like, you know, they asked the fans, like, what what they wanted a remake of, uh, and this game came really high up, and then they made it. And I think we should have more of that. <laughs> and ho hopefully people actually buy it so that uh, Capcom can see that, like, it, you know, wasn't all just noise. Uh, I'll be <laughs> interested to, like, hear, like, how, how this one does. Because it, it is kind of a hard game, I feel like, to market to, like, a broad audience. There's a lot more competition now than there used to be, isn't there, to get these things yes. to stand out. But yeah, it is definitely. quite reasonably priced, actually, for a remaster on, well, for, I think it's digital only, but I think you can get a physical play Asia or somewhere, but it is pretty reasonably priced as well, so hopefully it'll find a small market to generate some more interest. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. I, cause I always think these more, these smaller and more experimental games, I always want to see them do well, because I think we need, we need more of that out there, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, all right, and one more, one more headline I want to get to before we start talking about uh, game announcements. Um, just really quickly, um, if you didn't see the Super Mario Brothers movie while it was in theaters, apparently it is coming to streaming services in August. It is launching on Peacock, which is uh, NBC Universal's streaming service. Um, did you ever catch that movie, Don, when it was in theaters? Um, not when it was in theaters, but I have seen it. I've got it off of Amazon. It's pretty good, I thought. Pretty well paced. I mean, some of the song choices are a bit cringeworthy to be honest but yeah it was like something out of a really bad early 90s movie at times but i think that was part of the charm and all the little references as well that was one thing i loved about the sonic films as well all the little all the tiny references they just packed in for fans of the series to just pick up yeah yeah it's it definitely had a lot of nostalgia and love poured into i feel like yeah no but yeah those licensed uh those licensed songs that I feel like we've heard in like every animated movie ever in the last decade. I, I was like, I rolled my eyes when those came up. I was like, oh, come <laughs> on. We can be better than this, guys. I'm glad um, it wasn't just me because no, that was my was... reaction. Literally every time a song started playing, it's like, oh my God, not this again. <laughs> Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not just you. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, it's, I saw it. I don't really have much of a desire to see it again, but I guess if I do, it is going to be on streaming services. So there you go. If you haven't seen it, um, it's probably a good way to check it out and not risk, you know, spending a lot of money on movie tickets for your whole family. So there you go. Um, all right, well, let's get into our next segment, uh, talking about some of the game announcements from the past week or so. Um, a couple things came out from Anime Expo. We're not going to talk about everything from that, but um, at least one or two games. I, I, I've kind of structured this. <laughs> uh, Don, if you look at the rundown, you might notice we're going from like calm, the, the calmest game announcements all the way up to <laughs> the most chaotic ones at the, towards the end. So 
so buckle up, folks. This is going to be <laughs> qu quite the quite the jarring shift here between games. Um, okay, so this first one that was announced recently, um, I I'm sure at this point a lot of folks are aware at least of uh, Power Wash Simulator, which was just kind of a, a surprise hit, I think, for a lot of folks. Um, that was a game where you just like clean things with a power washer, and apparently it's really cathartic and satisfying for certain types of brains. Um, well, it is, it is kicked off a genre, apparently, because now there's a game coming out called Fresh Start, and it is they're calling it a relaxing deep clean adventure, except this time, instead of power washing, you are... You have this weird, I guess it looks like a vacuum kind of, and you are, you're going around the world, like outside, and you're trying to restore nature uh, to its fresh and colorful state, they say. Um, so you're doing things like vacuuming up piles of junk and recycling things and bringing dead plants to life. <laughs> um, Channeling our inner Super Mario sunshine. <laughs> That's true. That's really what this is. This is the long-awaited uh, spiritual sequel to Super Mario Sunshine. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I Look, I have not played Power Wash Simulator. I can kind of understand the appeal. Um, I don't know if it needs to be a whole genre. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know if I'm convinced about that yet. Um, but I do kind of like the environmental... Uh, the environmental aspect, you know, it's a good message at least. We have actually got one coming out on Switch this week actually, No Place Like Home, which I think is a very similar thing by the looks of it. It's another sort of cozy life sim cleaning simulator thing. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that was a that was a cleaning game. Um, actually, I think it's been out on Switch for a while. It's coming out physically this week, but I think it's been out for a while. but. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they seem yeah. to be slowly making the jump, because I think this one's been on Steam for a while as well. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? No no shade against it. I'm sure these games can be very calming and relaxing. Um, but, yeah, I just... <laughs> there, there's so much other stuff to play. I, I, I don't see myself getting into this one. But I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was an interesting kind of spin on that other very popular game. Um, so I wanted to at least mention it. Um, good for down. Just want to switch off for a little while and just do something that doesn't require much input. Yeah, you know, protect some endangered wildlife and uh, be, be a good person in the video game. There, there you go. Um, now, the, this next one is much more my jam. Um, this is kind of a, a throwback to a very specific type of game that I, I don't know if you're familiar with, Don. Uh, so this game is called, it, it needs a better title, I'll be the first to admit. It's called Marble It Up. <laughs> Marble It Up Ultra. Um, it's actually a, a sequel to um, another type of marble-focused game that came out. Um, which, yes, apparently that is a genre now. Marble platforming, they call it. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever played, like, it's a classic, classic PC game called Marble Mania. And if you've never played one of these games, in a way, they kind of resemble like Super Monkey Ball is the best way I could compare it. Um, but they've, they've kind of got their own vibe to them. It's they're they're a little different. Um, and but that that's the basic concept. If you've played a Monkey Ball game, you'll definitely be able to jump to something like this and have a good time. Um, they're just kind of physics-based platformers, and 
they're they're simple. Um, but yeah, I, I have a little bit of nostalgia for it because I used to play Marble Mania way back in the day. And this is kind of a spiritual sequel to that. I have played a Monkey Ball game, though. I think it was the original on the GameCube years and years ago. Yeah. I think it was on the GameCube. It might have been on the Dreamcast. I honestly don't remember. But it was a very long time ago. Yeah, yeah, this is kind of uh, in, in the same vein of that. Um, do you have any interest in something like this? Or would I, you might just rather go play Monkey Ball, I get the sense. <laughs> um, I probably would pick up Monkey Ball just because I recognize the characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally fair. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's cool. This comes from a pretty small team, and so I'm glad that their first game uh, did well enough to get a sequel. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of a cool indie i wanted to highlight that one is coming out august 17th uh for 30 bucks here in the u.s um all right let's let's ramp things up a little bit we're gonna get into slightly more uh chaotic i guess releases uh this one is chaotic at least at the very least for having what is quite possibly the longest name in all of video games um, <laughs> I think should I should I read this the full game title out loud? I think I should. Yes. Um, yes, it is brilliant. I love it. <laughs> okay. All right. So the name of this game is Mon Yu. Defeat monsters and gain strong weapons and armor. You may be defeated, but don't give up. Become stronger. I believe there will be a day when the heroes defeat the Devil King. <laughs> that that's the name of this game. <laughs> um, it's the greatest greatest name i have ever heard it's brilliant i love it it's great it's m multiple sentences with punctuation <laughs> i don't understand um, <laughs> okay uh, don if i remember you correctly you are gonna try and review this game so maybe could you tell me a little bit about this one um from what it looks like it's I believe it's a first person dungeon crawler so something like well, yeah, an experience title. Experience do things like Demon Gaze and Undernaught's Labyrinth of Yummy. Both of those I absolutely loved. I mean, if you've played or heard of Etrian Odyssey, which is a little bit more famous, I suppose, for that genre, it's similar to that. But this gotcha. one, in a lot of things, it just seems to ramp the anime in it up to 11. <laughs> As if the yes. title wasn't any indication. Yeah, it They're seems just... like, a more, like a more over-the-top take on what you're describing, like Etrian Odyssey and all that. Yeah, hopefully not as difficult as those games. Etrian Odyssey games can be absolutely brutal at times. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I haven't, I haven't really played many games in this genre. Um, I, I've always been curious about it, because I feel like I would enjoy it in theory, but I guess I just haven't really found one that's really grabbed me. Um, yeah, I, I think this one, they're they're really banking on just the really bizarre name to uh, draw people in, which it definitely did. But um, yeah, I'm not so sure, like, what, other than that, like, what the really unique aspects of it are. To me, it just, it looks like a, a pretty standard first-person dungeon crawler, but just, um, like you said, just really leaning hard into the anime sensibilities and tropes and all that. Um, I think it's probably going to try and sell itself on personality more than on differing gameplay which probably with me <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah this game has been announced for a little while um and it is we we've known it's coming but we finally got a 
release date for it. Um, we know it is now coming uh, September 21st, 2023. So, yeah, this has been a pretty good year for fans of dungeon crawlers between the Etrian Odyssey trilogy and now this. Um, there's been some smaller titles um, scattered around as well, too. So, so yeah, it's been a pretty good, pretty good year for fans of that, I would say. Um, all right, this next one we had announced at Anime Expo recently, um, and it's not a, a brand that I'm super familiar with, um, it, I th uh, but it's called Jujutsu Kaisen Cursed Clash, and this is a 2v2, uh, they're calling it an action fighting game, it's kind of like a it is a fighter game, but it's not like a like a side you know side head-on fighting game. It's more like, um, I guess, could you call it an arena fighter? Is that is that like the right um, term? Yeah, for I suppose it? you could. I mean, there's quite a lot of anime that have sort of adopted this style. I mean, the Naruto games have right. Ultimate Ninja Storm, and then there's My Hero Academia, which had a couple of games in this style as well. I think Demon Slayer got something vaguely similar as well they seem to be doing quite a lot of anime games in that sort of vein and this one seems to well 2v2 yeah i mean that's i don't think that's typical of the genre normally it's sort of 1v1 or my hero academia i think might have done 3v3 i'm not sure but it does seem to sort of follow in that kind of pattern and i know jujutsu kaisen has got a second season coming out or has come out, and it seems to be getting pretty popular in Japan, so that's probably why this has come out. But yeah. Don't me on that. I've not seen the series at all, so... Yeah, I'm not super familiar with it. I know um, it was a manga originally, and then it has was adapted into an anime. Um, but yeah, I have heard it before. It does seem like it's getting more popular, and um, it is nice when some of these... It's nice to see, you know, games that are based on manga and anime that are not Naruto. You know, it's nice to see them branching <laughs> yeah. out into other other franchises. Um, not Naruto, not Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're right. You know, after you mentioned, you're like, yeah, we've we've seen other fighting games like this for other animes before. I was like, yeah, you're right. Actually, I feel like we've gotten very similar games. Um, I can't remember. Exactly. Like I, I know, like Kill La Kill got a game a while back. I feel like that was also oh, yeah. kind of like a fighting game, yeah. right? Um, yeah, it does kind of seem like the trend. Um, I don't know why they all gravitate towards this genre in particular. I guess it's just well suited to a lot of the over over the top fight scenes. I guess you know that's probably what a lot of people want to uh, yeah. to play. Um, and quite a lot of these are still ongoing as well, so I suppose they can't really adapt it into an adventure game like they did with Dragon Ball Z Kakarot because the source material is still being adapted into anime or it's still ongoing, it's not finished so they just kind of bring these games out to tie people over I suppose until they actually do finish Right, right I mean I'm surprised we've not had a third Attack on Titan game yet actually because that's had two and I believe the anime finishes later on this year so when that's all out I suppose we might see another one of those I would be down with because those were actually really really fun games yeah they've re-released that uh, second attack on titan game a couple times now <laughs> if I'm not like I, I feel like if I remember correctly uh, the attack on titan 2 game was just kind of an expanded version of the first attack on titan game with some new content 
And then they re-released that game again, Attack on Titan 2, like a, a different yeah, version. Battle. Yeah, and, which just um, had a bit of extra content to it, which I think only went up to the end of Season 2, and we're now in, what, the final yeah. season, Part 3 or Part 4? I've got no idea. They The way they named that series is ridiculous. It's just been going on and on. But Yeah, yeah. Okay, and the last game I want to talk about, um, this one I, I, I don't think a lot of people have heard of, um, so I, I wanted to put it on people's radar. Um, it, uh, this is, look, I, I don't want to make any bold claims here, but this is probably the closest thing to a new Kid Icarus game y'all are going to get for a little while. Okay. Um, so this is, it is a game called Air Twister, and it's notable uh, because it w w the lead uh, figure behind it was Yu Suzuki, um, who is known for being involved in just a, a lot of just really big games over the years. Um, and um, yeah, so this is kind of a, this originally launched on Apple Arcade, of all places, as an exclusive. And it is basically a, um, they're calling it like an endless shooter, but I think that kind of minimizes it. It really is like, um, like, a, like a third person rail shooter, basically. Like you're moving along, linear path you're flying through these big soaring environments and you're just kind of as you're moving forward you're kind of you know swiping and like dodging around the screen to avoid bolts and stuff like if you go and you watch the gameplay for this it does share a lot of mechanical similarities to something like Kid Icarus Uprising which is, is very exciting to me um, obviously like very different character, very different art style, very different story, um, but I've heard it's actually really good. I've heard it's a lot of fun and it's got a really cool atmosphere to it and um, some really good action. Um, so I'm really happy to see that this is leaving the uh, Apple Arcade ecosystem and going to be available on other platforms. It reminds me a bit of Panzer Dragoon actually in terms of presentation and gameplay which looks pretty interesting yeah it does it does share some similarities to that um yeah i i, I think it's got it, it's just a very striking game and um there's been a lot of just really interesting experimental stuff that's released on apple arcade over the years it's kind of been stuck there so it's nice to see some of it um leaving that and coming to the Switch. I think the Switch is a good home for smaller games like this. Yeah, a lot of stuff seems to make the jump quite gracefully to the platform, and it would be nice to see more of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this one is coming out uh, November 10th, so a little bit further away, but um, I think this is definitely something that I'm, I'm interested in getting around to at some point. Um, all right, let's talk about the games that have actually come out recently. Um, surprising amount of stuff. It's, you know, nor sometimes the summer can be kind of dead, um, but that has not really been the case lately. Not a, I won't say anything super major, but definitely a couple standouts. Um, the, the biggest release recently is The Legend of Heroes Trails into Reverie. Uh, this is the newest Trails game to make the leap over to Western audiences. Um, now, I'm going to come at this with the caveat that I am not very well versed in this series. It is extremely long running. Um, I know that this is 
correct me if I'm wrong, Don, but this is kind of the end of one of the story arcs that has been going on yeah. for a while in these games, correct? Yeah, it's kind of the tenth. I think it's the tenth anyway. I mean, you've got the Sky Trilogy, which is obviously three, and you've got the Crossbell Duo, which were just released on the Switch last couple of years and you've got four cold steel games and then you've got this so it's right, kind of right. not an ideal jumping on point but i think are, it does kind of tie everything up are you very familiar with these games i get the sense that you're you're kind of a big jrpg person um i am but i'm not i've only played the first cold steel game and i kind of played that and then i found out that i needed to play five games before it so i've kind of stopped it's like i will get to Trails in the Sky when I get to Trails in the Sky, so I've only right. played the one, unfortunately, for the moment, but it is on my to-do list, and I do have a copy. But I have yeah. no idea when I'm going to get to it, because they are massive time sinks. I mean, 30, 40 hours minimum, probably more than that, if you actually want to do everything in them, so... Right. D times four, or, or, <laughs> uh, or yeah. times however many games are times 10 so you're 400 hours of experience the whole story probably at least um probably if you want to really really get involved in it and dive into the lore and everything yeah yeah well for what it's worth this game seems like it's been landing pretty well with fans um i it's you know the other games that we've gotten this year um a couple of them have been kind of ports of older games in the series that have finally made it west for the first time um, if I'm remembering correctly, at least at least one or two of them have been. Um, yeah, the um, crossbow ones. They've they had fan localizations, and then I think it was I think it was NIS America that picked them up after ages and ages. And then we had one right. last year, and we had one earlier this year as well. And right. We've got another one coming, I believe, in September, which is unconnected to these ones. So that will probably be a better jumping on point. But I think it's non-canon, so maybe not. <laughs> Yeah. Well, regardless, if you are a fan of this franchise, you've probably you're probably already playing this as we speak. But um, yeah, you're definitely eating good right now. Um, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot to enjoy. Um, so yeah, that game is out now. That one came out uh, earlier this week. Um, now another one that I think is notable just because this is an Ubisoft game that um, I don't think has gotten a lot of buzz. Um, this game is called The Settlers: New Allies. And uh, this is, I, I don't think a lot of people are familiar with this, but um, this is Ubisoft's kind of real-time strategy franchise. And they don't make a lot of these games. Most of them are, are pretty old at this point. Um, and this game in particular, I feel like, even when it launched on PC, it just it wasn't really talked about very much. Um, but as someone who does not play a lot of real-time strategy games, I'm really intrigued by this one. Um, I'm really intrigued by kind of the quasi-historical, you know, setting. Um, I think, like, animation-wise, it just it looks really good. And um, these games just always feel good to play on the Switch. So I'm, I'm really curious about this one. I, th I think this one could be a good time for me. It looks quite interesting. I mean, as you say, there's quite a lot of these on PC, which is probably why I didn't make a big as, as big of a splash. I mean, when I think of these kinds of games on PC, I tend to think of Age of Empires or Civilization and things like that. But sure. I think we've got a game on Switch, but 
we've not got an Age of Empires on Switch, but this does actually look quite interesting, and I do wonder how well it's made the jump to the platform as well, in terms of how it controls. Yeah, that that is a good point, because a lot of these games are kind of optimized for mouse and keyboard, so we'll see. But I know they also brought this one like, to like Xbox and other platforms, so... Um, yeah, but I'd imagine like with the Switch's touchscreen, it would probably be a good fit for that, so... So yeah. we'll see, well, but, um... Even if... Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Say, even if it's not got touchscreen support, it might actually work better than you expect. I mean, a game I played, I, don't, I can't remember now if it was last, I think it probably was last year, was the Diofield Chronicle, which Square Enix brought out, which was kind of an RTS, but it controlled really well, and it, it felt like a traditional RTS. Yeah. Even though it technically wasn't supposed to be, and I do actually wonder if they could emulate that kind of control scheme with this because if they could it would actually be a really good time to play i think yeah yeah it's definitely possible um but yeah this one just came out this week so it, i'd say if you're on the fence maybe you know look for some reviews and kind of see if it's for you but um but yeah i'm optimistic about this one I'd, I'd like to check it out at some point um all right now this next one um i know some of these games are probably a little more niche and aren't going to appeal to everyone uh, it's not like the biggest week for game releases, but in some of these at least I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So, um, there's been a long-running franchise of arcade pinball games called Pinball FX, and they, they tend to release, like, I want to say they, they release a new one every generation, but they've been releasing new ones more frequently lately. Um, they just released a new version of the game on the Switch called just Pinball FX, it is a free-to-play game, you know, and the whole idea is, like, you can go and you can buy different pinball tables to play, or you can buy them in packs or whatever. Um, and I know, like, pinball is probably not <laughs> the most exciting thing in the world to a lot of people. I will say, like, the cool thing about games like this in the past have been, like, on the Switch, you can, you know, if you're playing in handheld mode, you can rotate the Switch and you can play it um, vertically. I don't know if you can do that with this one i think it'd be cool um it's but regardless um i i enjoy pinball and these are like you know they put in a lot of work like they're i think this is running on unreal engine now and so like if you're really into pinball you can go and you can get these classic tables that are recreated with all their you know original artwork and things like that and realistic physics and um you can play in like different environments, like different kind of backdrops. So it's a cool idea, I think. Um, and like as like a f something that's free to kind of try out, you know, I, I could I could see the appeal in it. I feel like it reminds me of the um, old pinball game they used to have on pretty much every Windows PC back in the nineties. Yes, I spent hours and hours on that as a kid. I used to love it. It was. The only thing I could actually play properly because I could never figure out how to do Minesweeper. <laughs> but yeah. I actually, I actually wonder if that, if the um, original table and sound effects from that pinball game might actually be in this one because if it, if it was, I would probably pick it up <laughs> just for the nostalgia. That, that that would be surprising, but that would be uh, that would be quite the throwback. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, again, I don't think this is like the most exciting game in the world for most people or whatever. But like, there's something to be said for these. Just kind of, you know, you pick up and play. 
you, you're you, like you're on a flight or something. You just want to like pick something up quickly and just enjoy something with some arcade nostalgia vibes. You know, that's kind of where these games fit for me. And um, for a free game, you could do a lot worse than this. <laughs> yes, yes, you could. Although, you know, sometimes like I look at something like this and I'm like. I think I like might rather just buy it outright. Like I'd rather just buy a pack, like the, a base game that comes with like ten really good pinball tables. Charge me like twenty bucks for it, and just enjoy that. Versus having to browse through a whole in-game store and, um, you know, do it that way. Um, the Star Wars pinball game they've got on the Switch has has actually caught my eye a couple of times when it's gone on sale. Yeah, this one does have. I mean, if like, even if you're not, like, a huge pinball fan, they do have some tables based on, like, some pretty big properties and games. Like, um, if you're, like, a... Like, they have, like, a Borderlands table. They do have some Star Wars tables. Um, I think they have, like, a Crypt of the Necrodancer table. Like, they've got some... They've got a pretty good range of stuff. Um, so... So, yeah, there's there's definitely some stuff in there for folks who play other video games as well, but... Um, but yeah, so Pinball FX, that one is out now. Um, yeah, free to start with a lot of DLC, if that's your thing. Um, okay, this next one I wanted to highlight, <laughs> uh, because we don't get a lot of sports games on the Switch, and a lot of times when we do get games, they're, they're pretty compromised and generally not that impressive, unfortunately. Um, but... I, and, you know, I, I wrote a preview lately um, for Super Mega Baseball 4. And, and I, my takeaway really with that was it's we don't a lot of the sports games that we get nowadays, they're, they've lost a lot of their charm that they had on older platforms. I feel like. like we've gotten so focused on doing these hyper realistic representations of sports that we, you lose a lot of the fun and the absurdity that came with some of the more arcade style games. And um, that's where this one comes in. The, so this game is AEW Fight Forever. And their whole pitch is like, you know, they're not really trying to compete with the WWE games. They're, they're taking a, more of like an arcade-focused approach. Just, you know, it is pretty grounded in like the actual AEW like brands, if you're familiar with that. But there's a lot of just, just absurd different types of modes um, they announced this week they're adding, like, a 30-player, like, battle royale, like, wrestling mode. <laughs> just like, that's fantastic. Right, <laughs> um, nice. need... it's going to be chaotic. <laughs> I, exactly. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I just, I feel like we need more sports games like that, that kind of don't take themselves too seriously all the time, you know? Yeah, I can't argue with that. I mean, I don't play sports games at all it's not my genre but i have to admit that that does make the idea of a th just 30 player melee just makes me smile <laughs> yeah yeah that's exactly. just a great idea yeah plus you know there's just there's something about like even if you're not a big sports game fan if you like fighting games like i think that's also like something like this could appeal to you because i'm, I'm kind of like you like i i don't really play a ton of sports games but um but i can enjoy a good fighting game and even if this one is based on like a real property that doesn't exactly turn me off from it. Um, in fact, like knowing that they're taking these real, like, you know, real people and just like completely just putting them in absurd video game scenarios just makes me happy. So, um, yeah. 
Why not? <laughs> yeah. Just go wild with it. It's a, it's a game. Let's just have fun with it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, that one is out now if you're looking for a, a good kind of change of pace from the WWE games or something along those lines. Um, okay. This one I just I had to mention just because it's, it's so bizarre. We're talking about sports games on Switch that don't take themselves too seriously. And this one, I just, I have so many questions, Don. Um, they made a whole game about professional cornhole. Are, are, like, are, um, you, are you familiar? You're, you know cornhole, right? Like, beanbag toss, basically. No, I have never heard of cornhole. What is, what's a cornhole? <laughs> okay, it's, maybe it's not a thing. It, it's kind of a... I, I mean, it's always kind of been, like, around in America, but, like, okay, so it's just, like, a, a backyard game that, like, you know, you're having a party at your house, you go and you set up, it's like a beanbag toss, basically. So, like, you're standing <laughs> on one side, you're opposed to standing on the other side, and you're just trying to toss beanbags into a little goal. And that's the entire thing. And somehow, it has become a professional sport, apparently, in the U.S., and okay. <laughs> I, I don't know why or how, but, um, yeah. So, it, like, it's, and I should clarify, it's not, like, a big professional sport, but, um, but, like, they made a whole game on, about throwing beanbags towards a little wooden goal with, like, professionally, like, licensed, like, professional players. I just, it, I, I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> There's something new every day. <laughs> I've never heard of this. <laughs> so that's just okay. That's interesting to me. Maybe it's like a, a regional thing. Like maybe I. So as far as you're aware, is this just not something that people play over in the UK? Um, I honestly have no idea. They could do for all I know, but I've never heard of it before today. So. Um... Well. I'm glad I could. I'm glad I could teach you something new about American culture today. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I just. Uh, it's. It's very interesting, and I'm reading the description of the game, um, and they're they're talking about how like you can buy different types of bean bags to change your strategy, <laughs> and. Uh, they have like thirty-two like different players in this game. It's, I'm just I'm shocked. I'm I'm shocked that cornhole of all things, the game that you play in your backyard when you have nothing better to do, is now getting its own video game. <laughs> you can make a game out of anything these days. It seems. Uh, yes, you can, and. Uh, you know, I, I am sure there's someone out there who is going to be like, yes, this is my jam. Give me, you know, a fully, like, a voice-acted cornhole game with realistic scans of all my favorite players. I just don't know who that person would be. I have never met such a type of person in my <laughs> life. But they're probably out there. <laughs> it could be a good time with friends on a rainy day when you can't go outside and play actual cornhole, I guess. There, there you go. There you go. You nailed it, Don. Um, so, yeah. So that's out, if you're interested. I'm not, but it's funny. So that's why I brought it up. Okay, and this next one, it, I, I, you know, we've talked about cloud games on the Switch in the past. 
And so I don't want to get anyone's expectations too high. Uh, I know, you know, the cloud gaming works better for some people than others. But um, so the latest cloud game to hit the Switch is The Medium, which I, I actually played back on my Xbox when it came out. And I thought it was a very, very interesting game. Um, it's a horror game with the main kind of shtick being that you can control characters in two realities at once. Like, this, the screen will actually split in half, and you'll be controlling your same character in kind of two different alternate dimensions at the same time. Um, and it really is a, like, super interesting game mechanically for that reason. I liked the tone of it a lot. Um, it kind of takes place in this old, decrepit hotel that's kind of been overrun by plants and nature um and it's it's a really good game and so i was excited when i saw it was coming to the switch but then i saw it was a cloud version and i i lost a lot of my interest unfortunately at that point yep that seems to be the way whenever they say cloud version it just those interest is gone <laughs> yeah but i i will say this if you don't have another way to play this game and it looks interesting to you i mean you might want to consider it because this is actually a game that I don't think they could get running on Switch. Like, it is very technically demanding. It even had issues running on Xbox just because it's trying to render two game worlds at the same time. Um, so this might actually be, like, a good accessible option for people. But, yeah, I, I wish it was a native port instead because that's just... That, that would have made it even more impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose you can't expect too much since it is a current generation game and right. the Switch kind of struggles to last games sometimes. So. I just, uh, I can dream, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I suppose it's um, better than nothing. <laughs> yes, it, it is perhaps marginally better than nothing. That I will agree Marginally. With. Yeah. We'll give it that much. <laughs> yeah. I, I do just wonder, like, what is going to happen? Like, how long are these cloud games really going to stay accessible? Because that's really the question. Like, you know, with these games more more than anything, like, there's always been conversation how with digital games, oh, you don't really own your games, you're just kind of buying a license to them. But for the most part, you know, it's, I mean, games do get delisted sometimes, but it's a pretty rare occasion. But all these cloud games, eventually, someday down the road, the, you know, Switch is going to be replaced by next-gen console, and... Yeah, at some point these servers for these cloud games are going to shut down. Um, I would imagine. And, you know, you're spending basically full price on these games. I mean, this is a $50 for a cloud, access to this cloud game. And um, there's just really no guarantee how long it'll be accessible. So I think that's the thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way about this current system. But, um, yeah. But at the same time, it's I don't really know what the solution is. It's got to go eventually, hasn't it? I mean, I would expect these to be available on whatever the Switch's successor is, because I imagine purchase is probably tied to the Nintendo account, and they've already said they're going to keep the Nintendo account system, but... Yeah, that's you know, true. There's hope. Years and years and years down the line, you're just going to lose these things because of licensing, or because they just don't want to support the servers anymore, or whatever right. other reason they want to cook up, you'll just lose that purchase entirely. Right. Sucks, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, buy at your own risk, I guess. But if you're really looking for a way to play this game, it's it's probably not a bad option, as long as you don't bind all the caveats that come with cloud games. Um, 
But yeah, so that's pretty much all all the notable releases that have come out recently. Um, but before we wrap things up, we're going to end with our, our classic segment, Refresh Rate, where we talk about the games that we've been playing lately. Um, and Don, since this is your first time on the show, why don't you start us off? What have, uh, what have you been enjoying lately? Okay, well, my main game for this week, and I am a little bit behind the times, I mean, I left it for six weeks before I decided to start it, has been Tears of the Kingdom, which I was kind of dreading picking up, to be honest, because my Breath of the Wild experience was not positive, let's put it that way, but I have actually really enjoyed the time I've put into this, and that's been a huge surprise to me, and it's been, yeah, it's been a really good time. That's been my main focus for the better part of this week. I mean, I've put about 40 hours into it, and I've not even touched the story yet, so it must be doing yeah. something right. <laughs> That, that's a pretty common sentiment from a lot of folks who I've heard who have played the game. Um, yeah, I, it, and it's interesting too. I, you know, I feel like, you know, we've, we've, you know, internally at Nintendo Everything, we've all been talking about this game, obviously, and it's nice to know that, like, like there were a couple of us who are over on the site who had at least, like, some things about Breath of the Wild um, that we weren't a super huge fan of, and um, for some of us, Tears of the Kingdom kind of remedied some of that, and for some of us, it, it didn't. And so it's just, it's been really interesting hearing everyone's opinions about the game. Um, I, I'm, you know, like, for me personally, like, it's just, it, it's not the type of game that I'm wanting to play right now. Like, I can acknowledge that it's, it's a good game, um, but, like, generally speaking, I just, I prefer tighter, you know, more, um... I don't want to say more linear, but I guess there is some truth to that. I enjoy open world games, but when it comes to, you know, I, I do like having, you know, a clear path to be set on. And, and yeah. for me, this game is just a little too big. <laughs> like it, it's, I know that sounds crazy, but it, it can be genuinely overwhelming to play at times when you're yeah. trying to progress and you get pulled off in a different direction and, it's just not compatible with my brain in that way, I feel like. Yeah, but. it's like a lack of structure, isn't it? You can just, there's just so much game. It's like, well, what do I engage with? What do I, what, what happens if I miss this? Is this timed? You know, you can just go by things without even seeing them, which is, it's rewarding when you find it, but when you miss it and then you find out about it later, it's actually really irritating. It's like, well, I just missed out on a major part of that game. And it's like, I don't really want to go back and do it because put like 50 60 hours into this i don't want to put another 50 60 hours into doing it again and yeah open world games can be really hit or miss and i think you've probably got to be in the right state of mind for them right but you said you've been enjoying tears a lot more than breath of the wild so what what's changed for you um i think in part i've changed because i hadn't really played that many open world games when breath of the wild came out and when it did come out, I just wasn't keen on how it did away with absolutely everything I loved about Zelda and didn't really add anything in to replace it that I th- I personally found worthwhile. I mean, I didn't like weapon durability. I didn't really care for the abilities that you were given or how you were just left to your own devices because I've always loved getting new things at the end of a dungeon and then going back into the world and just like, well, what can I do with this? What secrets have right. I missed? I like the backtracking aspect. 
and of course Breath of the Wild didn't have that, and weapon durability drove me mad. <laughs> right. I didn't right. like I didn't like trying to climb in the rain either. I mean, I could go on and on about the various flaws I have with Breath of the Wild, but Tears of the Kingdom seems to fix quite a bit of it. I mean, I don't have the issue with durability that I used to because of the weapon fusion, and enemy encounters seem to be more worthwhile because of the monster parts, which you can obviously fuse to your weapons, and there seems to be a lot more to engage with and a lot more to do. I suppose the world just feels like it's got more in it, which I'm more interested in doing, which is partly down to me, but I also think it's partly down to how they've changed it between the games, because I know one of the um, major pulls for Breath of the Wild for a lot of people was the emptiness of the world and the desolation, because of course you were waking up after Ganon had basically wrecked it, so I could see the appeal to that, but it wasn't my kind of thing personally. You know, I like engaging in a world, but there wasn't really much to engage with, I felt. But it's kind of changed with this one, so it's been yeah. more my thing, I think. Yeah, I do really like, I will say, with Tears of the Kingdom, kind of along the lines of what you were saying, they really have made the world feel a lot more like a real place with, with more going on. More characters interact with, I think, more compelling side quests when you're able to find them. Um, the game still does really just kind of leave it to your own devices, but I do think just over the course of exploring, you know, you will just encounter more things that are interesting yeah. than you will in Breath of the Wild. Um, so that element of it, I, I really like. And I do think I, I should probably spend some more time with it um, now that I've kind of had a little bit of distance from, I think, all the hype surrounding the game. I think I might be able to enjoy yeah, it a little bit more. Um, one of the reasons that I play it for quite a long time because of the hype and the expectations and it was nothing but blowing positivity. And I was just like, well, you know, I want to wait and get some more grounded opinions before I dive into this myself in case I get my expectations up and then my expectations are let down because I feel like if that happens it's on me rather than on the game and I don't get a clear view of it which kind of sucks to be honest because of course when everyone's enjoying something I like I want to know what the fuss is about and I want to get into it as well but sure you know for whatever reason I can't do that because it's not really my kind of game it does it does kind of suck <laughs> how, how do you feel about the uh, the shrines returning this time around um, I've done about, I think I've done about 80 of the shrines now. I mean, I've been going over oh, wow. and doing all of them. The same way I did in Breath of the Wild, I just made a beeline for every shrine. And with Tears, it's taken me a bit longer because there's been more to pull my attention away. But I honestly feel like the shrines have been a little bit better designed this time around in terms of the puzzles because they're not so hyper-fixated on using one particular ability that Link's got. You know, it's just like you can approach it in loads of different ways, which I suppose in one way is a bad thing because it makes the puzzles more generic. But in, the other, in other ways, I think it's a good thing because it just means that you can come up with more creative solutions to approach them. I mean, I've bypassed a few puzzles entirely, which I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to do. <laughs> but that kind yeah. of suits me down to the ground, to be honest, because I'm not a huge fan of puzzles. <laughs> so. Right, well, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that kind of is the selling point of this game is you know it really is a sandbox if you can think of a way to do it you can probably execute it in this game and um it's certainly like you know it can be very rewarding to 
find a solution to a puzzle that you didn't think would work or is a bit non-traditional and then pull it off and you're like, oh, that actually did work and that's really cool. Um, I think for me, I, I'm like, and I know I've talked about it in the past, like I do agree with you that overall the shrines are, I think better designed and more compelling this time around, partially because of their open-endedness and just the way the new tools, you know, Ultra Hand and Fuse and all that allow you to be more creative than they did the first time around. But at the same time, I, I still, they, they still get repetitive for me pretty quickly, all these shrines, and I do eventually kind of reach a point where I feel like I'm just kind of doing the same thing over and over again, and it's, it's, you know, I mean, they are different puzzles, but they do kind of tend to fall into similar, similar categories, and, you know, I feel like I've done a couple of them, I've, yeah. I've you know, um, so I, I think that's really the thing, just, like, you know, for all the talk there is about, like, how, oh, we don't like, you know, these checklists and open world games and going and, you know, clearing off map markers and stuff. I, I guess I, I, when a lot of people are talking about Tears of the Kingdom, they, they talk about it in the sense where it's like, oh, well, this game is different. Like, there's not a lot of just, like, random activities to check off on your map and, you know, there's not a lot of repetitive tasks to do, but I just, I don't, I don't really think that's true. Like, I, I, I do feel like if you are fatigued by those elements of open world game design, I don't really think Tears of the Kingdom is going to change your mind in that way. It definitely isn't. I mean, this is where I think I've changed in terms of what I can tolerate and what I'm interested in, because I can fundamentally recognize that they are pretty much identical games. I mean, they even share the same base map, I think, for Hyrule, but... I've had more tolerance for the checklists than I had in Breath of the Wild, which makes me wonder, you know, if I went back to Breath of the Wild now, would I enjoy it more than what I did the first time I played it? Because the design, I suppose, is pretty much identical, even if the way it goes about it is different, so... I don't think it's a better or a worse game, I think it's just a different game, in a lot of ways. Yeah. The same crit could level at, at Breath of the Wild, you could also level at Tears of the Kingdom because it does the same things in terms of the checklist, in terms of recycling the shrine puzzles like you said, it's, it is the same kind of gameplay, it's just done in a different way. So, yeah, if you didn't like it the first time, really, it shouldn't, the second game probably won't sell you on it just because it does repeat the same mistakes, but it just does it differently. <laughs> yeah, it really depends what, what you're looking for. I do, I mean, again, I will say, like, I'm enjoying it more than I did with Breath of the Wild. And just still, for me, it's just not really what... I, I hope that the franchise continues to branch out in other directions other than just this, because I just think Zelda has so much more to offer than this, you know, this particular type of game structure. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm like you. I hold a lot of nostalgia for older games in the franchise, and maybe it is just nostalgia, you know, maybe I should go back and revisit some of those and see if they still hold up as well as I feel like, as well as I feel like they do, but, um, but I just, I think there's something to be said for just having a really just tightly crafted progression path with, you know, a good story, and, you know, characters that are distinct and are more present in your adventure than a lot of the characters yeah. are in this game. 
I just, I think those are some of the things that attract me to these games a lot. Yes, and so, to be honest, I would love that as well, because I definitely do prefer these. I mean, the fun I've been having with Tears of the Kingdom has been fun, but it's not what I would associate with Zelda, and it's not the way that I think of Zelda, and I, I would love another experience like that, like, I suppose, A Link Between Worlds, or the Oracle games, and the older ones. I would love... I think there's, I think there's room for both. I mean, I know they've said that they don't know where they're going to go after Tears of the Kingdom. They don't think they can go back, but I would still love a traditional sort of Zelda experience in the future, because I think there's a, there's, there's a room for it in the industry. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. not much like those older Zelda games nowadays, I feel like. And so I feel like more, more than ever, they're really valuable to have accessible, even if we don't get new ones. It would be nice to see the remaining you know, older classics that we don't have available on Switch. It'd be nice to see those at least brought over so that people like me who are just, like, just miss those games in particular can just go back and replay yeah. them. And it could be a Where on earth? Where on earth are Wind Waker and Twilight Princess? I we've know. Been saying that, we've been saying that for uh, years. Where are they? <laughs> there, there's, every time there's a direct, there's so much hope, and we've, we've yet to get them, but... It's not too Crashed late. on the rocks every it's time. It's not too late. <laughs> yeah, someday, someday. Um, yeah. Oh, well, very cool. Well, for my part, um, I have been busy playing um, the latest DLC for Mario Plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope. Um, that game was, I, I mean, I, I played it last year when it came out, and I thought it was excellent. Um I'm, I'm a really big Mario guy, and I was initially skeptical about the Mario plus Rabbids, the whole franchise concept, <laughs> but the first game really won me over, um, and the second game I just think is better in basically every way. Um, it's just a huge... I, I, honestly, I think it's innovative just for the whole genre in terms of how a turn-based strategy game can play and still be turn-based, but but not feel like it's turn-based, you know? It, it's such yeah. a... Have, did you play Sparks of Hope? I did. I did a few, quite a few guides for it, actually, on the site, and, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it as well. I mean, I wasn't overly fond of the first one. I was initially, I was turned off by the whole idea because I cannot stand the rabbits. I have never liked the rabbits at all, but the gameplay is really, really good. It's exactly what you'd expect in the Mario game, really. It's really high quality, and... Yeah, I feel the same way as you do. The second one improved on the first in pretty much every way. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, and so they are releasing DLC for this game. We got a we got a small piece of DLC earlier this year called The Tower of Doom, which is... It's kind of like a run-based mode where you're just going through progressively uh, more difficult battles and you kind of pick which one you want to do next based on the rewards and stuff. It was fine. Not something super substantial that is going to hold a lot of people's interest, I don't think. Um, but uh, we, the DLC we got recently is basically a whole story expansion. It's called The Last Spark Hunter, and it introduces a whole new planet to the game called Melodic Gardens. Um, it introduces some new enemy types that I found uh, really engaging, actually, to fight. Um, there's one in particular where after you defeat it, you have to dash through it or it will respawn with full health on the next turn. So that really introduces a huge layer of strategy because 
you actually have to, you know, normally when you're playing the game, I think for a lot of players, you will kind of like dash into an enemy and then attack because once you attack, you're kind of frozen in place. So now it completely changes up the flow of battles because you have to figure out basically a way to reverse your strategy and how you've been defeating enemies the entire game. Um, so I, I thought I found that really engaging. Um, the new like direct, or as you yeah. say, that sounds like a direct a direct answer to the common strategy of using Mario and Luigi to snipe enemies from a distance. Yeah, I never um, used I hardly ever use a dash attack in that game. I normally I just hang back and keep people out of the way and just let them come to me. That sounds like a direct answer to that. That sounds really good actually because that would completely shake up the game, like you said, because you're going to have to adapt a completely different strategy for it. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, and the other element of that is there's also a new type of foe that it basically it has an attack where it will cover the map in the kind of... If you haven't played the game, there's a substance called Dark Mess. You know, it's like a play on the word darkness. <laughs> um, it's And it's... But it will spray it across the map. And if you touch it, your characters will take damage. And a lot of times, it will land right where you need to go to, like, do a dash attack or whatever. So it that also adds another element of, okay, well, you need to get up close with your enemies this time, but you also have to kind of work around these new obstacles on the map. Um, so, yeah, combat is... The, the new battles they added this time around I thought were really engaging. And the new planet is also kind of cool, too. Um, they didn't talk about it too much before release, but... Um, the new kind of mechanic in the overworld is you have a little boat that you can sail around on um, and a lot of the puzzles that you would kind of encounter are kind of scattered around across these islands now that you sail between. Um, it's nothing crazy, like you're not going like a super far distance or anything, it's all pretty condensed, but um, I thought it was an interesting way to kind of shake up the traversal of that game. I might um, have to give that a look actually because I've not I haven't touched Mario and Rabbids since I played it, but now that both sets of DLC are out, I might actually try and find some kind of way to make the time to give it a look in, because that does actually sound pretty cool. Yeah. Well, there's one more set of DLC coming for the game, too. That's the big uh, Raymond-themed expansion, where you'll actually get to control Raymond, um, which is crazy to think about, that they're putting that in a... Mario game of all things so that's gonna I think that's the one that a lot of people are excited for but I think like if you're like kind of weighing whether or not you want to pick up the season pass and if it's worth it I, I think the DLC is really good and I think it's I think it's worth it's asking price and I think it makes a good case for picking up the season pass if you've if you've been on the fence about it um, um I picked up the launch edition with the season pass because I was playing on just playing all of it well, there so. you go. You have no excuse now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have I have no excuse. I need to go back and play the DLC because a lot of the time with these games, I buy the DLC and I never go back and do it because <laughs> I just don't have the time. Yeah, yeah, but, I hear you. Um, and it sounds like this one might be worth making the time for. Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, and one other game I want to mention kind of quickly just because I thought it was really interesting. Um, this game is not on the Switch, but um, it's it's just it's a really cool sci-fi game. It's called Exo One, and 
um, you, I, I don't think a lot of folks have heard of it, but you might have seen footage of it trending on Twitter at one point. So this game is a, it's kind of, I don't want to call it like a, plow, it, it, it's an exploration focus game. You're controlling this spacecraft that basically it, it transforms from this like really like heavy, like orb style spacecraft into basically what looks like a flying disc. And you switch between these two modes to like build momentum and launch yourself across these alien planets. So um, there's like a story attached. There's a reason why you're doing all this, but it, it's, it feels, I want to mention this cause it just, it feels so good to play. It's crazy. So like you're, if you watch a trailer for this game, you'll like, you'll launch yourself in the air as this like disc form and you'll kind of glide across the world a little bit until you need to pick up more momentum and speed. And then you shift into this like orb form and you're like trying to like, basically like launch yourself off the terrain, like it's a ramp. And then you fly further across the, across the world. And um, it's all like, you know, if you play it on like an Xbox or a next gen console, like visually, it's all like very impressive. Um, the world I think is, has some level of procedural generation to it, but it's, it's a really just striking game to, to play and look at. Um, so if you're looking for something a little bit different and you want just kind of like a moody sci-fi adventure with some really interesting traversal, um, I think it's worth looking at. Are you familiar with this game at all, Don? Um, no, I can't say I've ever heard of it before, but there's quite a lot of PC games I've never heard of. I mean, just looking at the Steam page where it's actually half off, I mean, I do recognize some of the Future Friends games. I mean, I've heard of Omno before. I think that came out for Switch fairly recently. Mm. So I have heard of the devs, but I'd never heard of the game before, but yeah, I think I can get what you're saying about traversal because that can be quite a fun thing if you're given a good way to do it. I mean, the way you describe it, it kind of reminds me of the Pathless a little bit, which came out. I mean, you build up speed in that by shooting targets, if I remember correctly, which was really satisfying because it becomes like a game in itself to try and keep up your speed, doesn't it? Right, you know, just exactly. Keep going and not, not to slow down, just keep going and just see how you can go and... Yeah, sounds pretty intriguing. Yeah, I'd say if you're looking for something a little bit more experimental, it's a, it's a really quick. I mean, you can get through this whole thing in a couple hours, so it's a nice, nice little diversion between bigger games. Um, but yeah, well, with that, uh, that is our show for the week. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for for tuning in and listening to Nintendo Everything Refresh. Um, and I wanted to give everyone a heads up that we might be going on a brief hi hiatus the next couple weeks. Um, I will be going on my honeymoon. And so we may not have anyone to host the show. So we, we may be, uh, it might be a couple weeks until you hear from us, but we will be back soon one way or another. And we'll be sure to catch everyone up on all of the news that has happened in the meantime. Um, but yeah, Don, thank you for coming on the show. It was really great to have you. Thanks for having me. I hope I haven't been... Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. We we love having new people on the show all the time. It's awesome. 
and you did great. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll come back again soon. Um, it's, uh, it's one of the things I love about having different folks on every week is we get to hear different opinions on big games like Tears of the Kingdom, and it's, it's always really cool <laughs> to hear what different people think of stuff like that. So. But yeah, if you like the show, please go and spread the word. Uh, we are on pretty much every podcast platform that you might want to look for us on. Uh, we also have a video version over on YouTube and Spotify if you prefer to have some video game footage played in the background while you listen. Um, and if you like the show, please give us a, a rating on one of the platforms. That really helps the algorithm get our show out to more people, which is always a good thing. And uh, yeah, if you have any feedback, please leave us a comment. We also have our email in the show notes over on YouTube and Spotify. So if you have any suggestions for the show, future topics, or uh, just general feedback, we are always happy to hear it. Um, but yeah, thank you to all of our listeners who have been tuning in week after week. And we'll be back at you soon with everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. See you guys next time.